This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hey. And we have FBG Kristen. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. We have a great guest today, Robbie Ann Darby. She has these rad RAD fitness parties, and we're going to talk all about it today. She's a fantastic guest. We go into all kinds of things, but we especially love to talk about fashion on this show, and we get into fashion with her. And you guys, you got some leggings talk to do today, don't you? We do. We Mm -hmm. designed a pair of leggings. Like, It's one of the crazy things because... I was talking about, um, so a few, let's say about a month ago, we released two different designs because we worked with a brand called um, Four Athletics. They make amazing high quality stuff at like a really like affordable, affordable price. Um, and it's for like F-O-U-R athletics. Well, we worked with them and got to two different designs that Kristen and I like absolutely love. We worked really closely with their designer and shared like what we liked um, and current fashion trends and what inspired us and what FBG was about and the feel and everything like that. And we got to narrow down to two different designs that we couldn't choose from. So we put them up to a vote on the site and um, we like, yeah, we officially have a winner and they are officially for sale. And if you go to fourathletics.com, you will be able to um, purchase them just now for the next couple of weeks. We'll take orders and then they get, all get mailed and then they are all um, sent out. But fourathletics.com, if you want to get yours. Yeah, it's and we'll have fun. a link. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes on fitbottomgirls forward slash podcast. So if you're listening to this in your car or whatever, just remember fitbottomgirls dot com forward slash podcast we will link out to the to where you can purchase them so it's going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy um <laughs> and they're they're awesome like i'm i'm so oh and they have pockets Jay, they have, you didn't mention the pockets i know i was like they have pockets the pockets are everything i swear to god once you have a pair of like jeans with with a pocket and it's a big enough pocket that it'll, even if you have like a one of the big iphones like it'll yeah. even fit in the, like it'll fit like extremely well in there which is important for traveling yesterday i was on a plane in like all day and I wore them and it was perfect because you know like having my passport in one and you know my phone in the other and it was like and they're like tight to your to the sides of your legs so that was they don't like it isn't like stuff doesn't come out of it I found they don't get pulled down either I don't want to wear any of my other pair of leggings that don't have pockets I'm like why would I ever wear leggings that don't have pockets like it's been that (laughs) life-changing and as a mom I always am carrying like my stuff my daughter's stuff like I'm just carrying so much stuff I swear so when I don't have them on, I'm like, where am I supposed to put my phone or my credit card or my keys or like this Paw Patrol toy that I now have to hold because she's done holding it or like whatever. Like Gwen will put stuff in my pockets. It's just, they're the best. Uncomfortable and they're high-waisted and they're made in the USA. They're made like in a really um, like a sustainable way and like that they don't have any waste. It's just, yeah. they're, they're great. They are. <laughs> I'm like gushing. Yeah, well, and that's why they're only available for a certain amount of time is so that they're not creating a bunch of stuff that, you know, like fast fashion wise, where it's going to be, you know, not not purchased, not used. They're only going to make what people are actually buying and then going to wear. And and that's also how they're able to keep the price so low is because they're not stocking like all of this inventory. There's, you know, they're really just making what people are buying. So it's pretty exciting. And for somebody who grew up like sketching, um, sketching outfits all the time, like Mm -hmm. when my mom used to make me go to church, I would just sit (laughs) in the pew and, and draw like dresses and I don't know, outfits. And this was just like the coolest thing to come about. So I I am psyched. I think you guys are going to be as well. Um, people seem pretty geeked about the design. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm psyched. Well, and the really cool thing is, is like when you get this, it's almost like a signature piece because they are only going to make the orders that they have ahead of time. And ordering's only open now for like another week or so, couple weeks. So you got to like order it now and then get them and then... I mean, they're, they're probably not going to be made again. 
So it's like a limited release thing that you got to hop on now if you want them. Do we have the dates? I do have the dates. Let's see. Officially, the leggings are on sale as of um, the 12th of April, mm-hmm. which is good because they're on sale right now. Um, and then the very last day to order them will be April 25th. Pair. Tell your friends, get a pair. But if you're listening to this in the future, you never know. We may do this again, right? Yeah, that's the dream. That is the dream. If we kind of just a few times a year did, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. So fun. And you can guys give feedback, like email us, contact at Fit Bottom Girls, podcast at Fit Bottom Girls, tweet us, Facebook us, take pictures of yourself and them. Oh my God, so much fun. Well, speaking of fun, we have a great interview with Robbie. And actually, you know, it's not all fun. Actually, we get kind of serious. And I really like this discussion, by the way, Kristen, talking about we're getting a little pivot here. But I really love the part where we talked about body image and eating disorders and women of color and how women of color are not represented in the media as much as white women when it comes to eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia and things like that. And I, I, for one, was really, I thought her point of view was really interesting. I agree. Um, this was one of those where I, I finished this interview and I got together with some friends later that day and I just talked about it like nonstop to the point where they were like, yes, we get it. Thank you for sharing, Kristen. That's great. (laughs) But it just, it, it really is so powerful because yeah, representation in all ways matters. And so it was really neat to get her perspective on this because, and it's not only representation within the media that she's talking about this. Um, it's also just a matter of, you know, she was saying that like in her community, you know, in the, in the black community, her experience was that it just wasn't talked about. It wasn't really acknowledged. It was kind of seen as a white girl problem. And, you know, as a white girl, I, I just had no idea. So I think raising that awareness and making sure that all of us know that this is, you know, eating disorders don't discriminate. They, you know, they really do not care how, you know, what your skin color is, you know, what your hair looks like. They, it is affecting all of us. So, you know, I think that that's so, so important to keep in mind. And the pressures to look a certain way and to be a certain way that crosses all lines. All of those media images, like they really, really matter. That's the truth. Yeah. So let's just get right into our interview today with Robbie. She was so fantastic. You guys are just going to love her so much. Here is our interview with Robbie Ann Darby. Robbie Ann Darby is a Texas-born, California-raised actress and dancer turned fitness expert with over 10 years of experience in the fitness and wellness industry. She's had the opportunity to teach and train all over the Southwest and Northeast regions, and in 2012, she founded her business and fitness movement, Rad Experience LLC. As a source of inspiration for those looking to radically change their health and overall life, proudly she uses her BA in Drama and Dance, Spelman College, and MFA in Acting, the University of Texas, Austin, to motivate others on a national level. She covers fitness trends, groundbreaking wellness topics, celebrity workouts, fitness fashion tips, and so much more for outlets such as Shape, Self, The Root, The Grio, Brooks Running, Black Doctor, High 50, Hello Beautiful, and a number of other influential publications. She's here today to talk about overcoming eating disorders, her rad fitness parties, and her new life in LA. You can follow her at Rad Experience on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Welcome to the show, Robbie Ann Darby. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Kristen. Hey, guys. So I'm going to ask you the first question. I am having so much fun looking at your videos on YouTube. Can you tell our audiences (laughs) a bit about your rad fitness parties? Yes, um, exactly. So I... I started throwing those fitness parties about four years ago because people were constantly asking me, like, how do you hang out at the frequency in which I do, (laughs) but also like work out and keep your lifestyle healthy? And I just seemed like a very natural thing for me. And I realized it wasn't natural for people. So I wanted to educate people on a way to be, to have a full life that's social and fit and sweaty. And I was like, why not start throwing these parties? So we started doing them as like open events where we just had the workout live DJ and then we'd also have like healthy um, bites afterwards where they're like, you know, sm- small bites. We've had all the way from like full like spreads. We had a Cinco de Mayo one where it was like tons of food and then drinks. So we just show like healthy ways to make your favorite things, you know, healthy. Um, so then they ended up evolving into private parties, which is the way we kind of do them now. We still do 
big open ones like um, General Mission. But for the most part, um, companies come to me and um, our small groups and they have them for bachelorette parties. Um, we've done one with kids, teens. So the options have been limitless. Just imagine event planning meets fitness. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, and having met you, I I can say that, like, yeah, you definitely bring that kind of, like, you know, fun, sparkly, positive energy to everything. So I'm sure that um, that a party with you would be super fun. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, when we were offline, before we got started today, we were talking a little bit, um, just really briefly, about you had just done an interview on eat- your eating disorder. And, you know, the as we're recording right now, last week was National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So I, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, in your background, like when did when did you see a shift from dieting to experiencing an eating disorder? And like, how did you know, did you know this was happening at the time? And how did you figure this out? And how did you go about getting help? Yeah, that's a, that's so funny. Those, the answer to each of those questions like happened in years, you know, would pass. So I started, I was dieting in junior high. Um, I was a little overweight in junior high. And so I just wanted to lose the weight before I went to high school. You know, everybody knows that transition from junior high to high school is like, you know, this is big. I'm for teenagers, you know, so I really wanted to just lose the weight. And I grew up in a house where my mother was on and off of Weight Watchers. So I had, I grew up in what I call like diet culture, so yeah. I knew a lot about dieting um, just from the nature of my household. So when it came time to want to lose weight, I knew exactly how to do it. And then you kind of throw in the peer pressure and just the idea that you're a teenager into the into the mix. And it's, you know, I tell people all the time, it was the praise that kind of plummeted me into that d- disorder space because I lost the weight. I was doing fine. But I think the fact that my entire life had changed, it truly had. I went from, I tell people it was from ugly duckling to swan over between junior high and high school. Like I was teased a lot in junior high. Did I had, you know, I had my small group of friends, but literally in high school was the opposite. I was head cheerleader, head of my class, very popular. Like, and for a teenager psyche, that was a little confusing. And it also literally did launch me into this, like a, this idea that I want my peers to accept me. They obviously like me better this way. And, you know, I'm also a perfectionist. That's very important to share with people is that, you know, I realized later, years later in therapy, that that really is the impetus to me having this eating disorder and struggling with this is that just this desire for success and this desire to always be the best and to be perfect, you know? And so I've had to literally uproot all that and work on that in the healing process. I didn't go to therapy, unfortunately, until junior, I mean, until, sorry, until um, grad school. Um, So when people hear me talk about my journey, it was 14 years because I, I, it, it's a cultural oh. thing. Yeah. It's also culture. I tell this all the time. It's something that's very important to me and I'm passionate about just dispelling the myths um, and just kind of changing this narrative. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't something that was really discussed in the African-American community. It still really isn't. So my family and my community kind of saw it as this strange thing, but also like, she's just going to grow out of it. It's a teenage thing, you know, as opposed to what it really is, which is a mental illness. So I just kind of suffered in both shame and ignorance too. I didn't realize it was as big of a problem until I couldn't get rid of it, you know, Mm -hmm. like until I couldn't quote unquote, just stop. Then I realized, okay, this is bigger than me. This is not something that I am doing and I could stop doing. Um, I need to get help. And um, speaking of the cultural portion of it, um, I went to an all black girls school and my peers and my community looked a lot like me and I didn't have that pressure whereas in growing up in junior high and high school and where I was raised in Sacramento I was always kind of the only black girl in situations and so I it just really is interesting to me and I talk about this a lot just the cultural and racial you know things that are not really discussed because people think it's a white girl's disease and it's not um but I will say because I didn't see it in people and I was very ashamed of it in college, I just, it kind of just went dormant. It didn't go away because it is a mental illness. It just wasn't as rapid in my life, you know, rampant in my life. Um, and then the opposite happened. I went to grad school and my environment shifted again back to what it was like in high school and junior high. And it, it came back full fledged. And at that point, it had been in my life for so long. We're talking a good 10 years now that um, I, I had no control of it. And so, of course, that's when therapy finally came into the equation. It was like, it was life or death at that point for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did, so and how did you end up um, 
was it just that you finally said, you know what, I see this as a problem, I need, I need help, and you sought therapy, or did somebody step in and, and lead you in that direction? Um, somebody stepped in, and I think because at that point I had gotten so fed up of trying to stop on my own that I, and I really didn't want it anymore. I was taking, I was very aware. I tell people in junior high and high school, I was more, I was more aware of the success and what it was affording me. By, by the time I was grown and, you know, in my 20s, I was very aware of how much it was taking from me, life-wise. I was very ashamed of how, because it takes a lot of effort to maintain an eating disorder, from lying to just secrecy, constant secrecy, um, the shame. It was really weighing on me. So when someone stepped in, it was actually one of my classmates in grad school. Um, I, you know, I went to grad school for acting, and it's a very small program. It was only 12 of us. And... Uh, one of the um, white girls in my program, she had experienced it when she was in high school as well. And she had a very different story, which goes back to the racial portion I'm really interested in talking about a lot lately is she got help early. And so she understood more about her condition. And but she also had an understanding of the, you know, just empathy when she noticed the behavior in me. We were at a party and she I don't, I think she was in a moment of relapsing and I was just in a moment of just out of control. Um, and she kind of picked up on the behavior, which I do too, just in my everyday life, I could pick up on the energy and the behavior of people who are also suffering, considering how long it was, it was for me. And I'm grateful she picked up on it the next day. That was over the weekend. We were at a party and the next day in class on Monday, she mentioned it. And initially I'm just kind of like, I was so embarrassed and upset and just like, no, you're wrong. But then very quickly after that, I was in my own private space. I was like, she's absolutely right. And we had therapy, thankfully, um, at UT Austin, the department of eating disorder awareness and treatment is just phenomenal. I mean, I, I look back and I just can't imagine being where I am today had I not gotten help in that way and had that access because it was not only was it free, it was exceptional. I went all three years wow. of my graduate training. So I was looking at an essay that you wrote for Self Magazine, and it was about the Netflix movie To the Bone, which mm -hmm. is about anorexia. And I, you said this, and it falls into the familiar trap of an after-school special about anorexia. And mm -hmm. that's why I don't watch a lot of those movies, too, because I feel the same thing. But can you expound on that just a little bit more about what, why you think these movies offer just such a small look at these eating disorders? Yeah, it's, it's has, as someone who's lived through it and who also watched movies like that in my, when I was in junior high and I can, I'm not saying putting blame on it, but I will say it did, it, it did more um, harm than good, yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing those kind of it. movies. Yeah. And it definitely also, I tell people for someone so young or just someone that is, you know, just realizing that they have this condition or this disorder, it can almost serve as like a, a template of showing you how, you know, because mm -hmm. the big thing in the eating disorder community is comparison. And, I've, you know, social media has done the best they could, um, especially on Instagram, like blocking certain hashtags. But I realized it before and I was growing up, I, I obviously didn't have social media, but in my community, when there were other girls that I realized were doing it, instead of us being like, oh, we have a problem, let's get help. It's like, oh, let's work together to keep our secret and let's work together to like to make this, to maintain this. And that's really, so you almost have a culture of like sisterhood secrecy that comes along with it. And I think those movies sometimes are like a media version of that, you know, mm -hmm. girls will watch it and they feel empowered as opposed to, and it really depends on where you are in this, in, in your journey. Like for someone like me, that's in recovery, I could see this and be like, I, I don't need to see this. And that was self. They asked me that several times before I agreed to write it. Do you think this will cause you to re relapse? I've been in recovery for seven years. So, you know, that is still a question that people and that I ask myself, like, will this behavior, will something that I do in my everyday life cause me to relapse, you know? And so it's tricky no matter where you are on the spectrum of the journey because it's so much information and it's, and the way that they did it, I knew it before I watched it, which is why I agreed to write the story. I knew there wouldn't be a, a character that looked like me in it. And I think that is something that's kind of disappointing after all these years that people are still seeing this as a white girl, uh, richer, like, you know, it's like people have more money. It's just so not true. Like every time I write about it, I'm just blown away about the amount of feedback I get from people that are 
today that look like me and that are of, you know, of color that are literally suffering. And I will say they live in that space of denial much longer than our um, white counterparts because we don't have, no one talks about it in our community. So as soon as you realize you have it, the first thing that comes up is this is wrong. This is weird. This is nothing I shouldn't be doing where that's not the case. Mental illness doesn't discriminate. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. Yeah, so it's very, it's so much untangling. I use the word like untangling and uprooting when I talk about this journey because that's what it's been for 14 years for me. It's just like, A, having the courage to talk about it. A, having the courage to realize that I that it's something that does happen to girls like me and I needed help. It was just constant levels of like courage and just doing something that was not quote unquote normal, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last year, we talked to Tony Carey of, um, from Black Girls Run, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the importance of representation. And mm-hmm. it, so it's really interesting to hear you talk about that from in this space, mm-hmm. um, because it's it, obviously it's very different. You know, she was talking about the importance of representation of, um, you know, of Black women and, you know, of, of women of all shapes, sizes, races, backgrounds, mm-hmm. specifically in things like athletic catalogs and magazines and things mm-hmm. like that show that, you know, yes, we all can go and run and hike and enjoy being outdoors. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel really embarrassed that it never occurred to me to think of this in terms of, because as soon as she said that, I was like, damn straight. Yes, we yeah. let's do this. Right. Never did it occur to me to think of that in this other realm of like presenting, you know, presenting African-American women showing that they also have that same struggle because of yeah. course you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing. And I know that that's, that's, deep and heavy and um damn you are a brave girl like (laughs) thank thank you you. it's been I think in the editorial space with the writing and you know for me once I started writing and of course I was writing about everything like from leggings to turmeric and whatever trending topics and after the first couple years of writing I just something in my spirit was like because I would write things that I didn't agree with basically or I would come across things that I didn't agree with and then I was like because I always saw, I'm very aware of what triggers look like, you know, when I think of eating disorder. I, I'm aware because I've been on so many spaces of this. I've been miserable. I've been on the brink of like, I'm not going to make it if I don't get help. And then I've also been in this like late, this level of hope. And I know you can live after it and where I am today. And all those spaces, I'm just very aware of what will I say or do that could trigger something slash inspire somebody. So I'm very careful with the language I use. And that's been very empowering to be able to be in an editorial space, knowing that I can write something that could change the narrative. And to give a lot of credit to a lot of these editorial spaces like Shape and Women's Health, we're in a very different space than we were when I was a teenager, when we were teenagers. Like, I feel like this whole love my shape and girls seeing every body shape um, is going to change a lot for any race of a girl or woman. Um, we're just at a different space now. And magazines are taking responsibility. They're, they're even taking you know, better care of the language that they're using on their covers and things like that. And the representation and working as a fitness model, that's also been helpful because I feel like whenever I book something, I know whoever sees this image, not only will they see this, my skin color, but they'll see that I'm average size girl, you know, and that's very, it's a little things. I, I was talking to some friends last night at the Oscars, at an Oscars party about how much Black Panther has meant to our community. Um, oh my gosh, and yes. It, it, it truly the same thing. It's representation matters because when people see themselves, whether it's in media or just in print or anywhere or just on the street, honestly, every time I tell my truth to someone just in passing, you could just feel that connection. We were born to connect as humans. So when that happens, that's when we're really truly walking in like our purpose, I believe. So it's been very empowering and I'm I'm grateful for the journey. Like I never, it's amazing I'm able even to say that. I remember days when I thought, like I said, this is gonna kill me. I didn't imagine life without this. And so to be able to not only live without it, but to talk about it has been quite incredible. Yeah. So could I ask you, um, with your work as a fitness model, I can imagine that that, you know, that you do have to be cautious um, because it would probably not be hard to spiral back into um, a really negative place. Could you share some of the some of the tools that you use or, you know, whether it's a mantra or whether it's just a a way of framing, you know, these different gigs and the and when you see pictures of yourself and others, how how do you keep yourself safe? Yeah. You know, and I mean, I know that it's probably in part because you can feel powerful and you know that you can share this positivity with other people. But like, how do you make sure that you're going to stay safe when you're in that realm? 
Yeah, it's interesting you asked that because it was even the beginning of my therapy. I told you I was in a graduate program for acting and my my no, she my therapist, she was just very clear. She's like, you have to be very aware that you're in something wrong with it. But I just want you to be aware of that. You're choosing industries and you're choosing ways to um, create that are going to that could be triggers. And so I, um, I was aware of that. And then I also started fit doing fitness when I was in grad school, I got my certification as a trainer and instructor at the same, while I was at UT, while I was in therapy. So all three of these things are happening at the same time. And she was very clear on that too. She was like, you're going to go into industry, two industries, separate fitness and, um, you know, acting where your body is your instrument to just be aware of that. And so, I actually ended up realizing that it was very hard to be in recovery, which is why if you kind of do the math, I talk about I've been in recovery for seven years, but I went to therapy. I started and ended therapy almost 12, 11 years ago. So there was a good five or four years of constantly relapsing. And I realized that what you're asking, what she was saying was 100% true. So I just moved to LA about a seven months ago to get back to acting, quote unquote, because I did take a big break because I had to for my healing. It was just too much on my plate. It was too much on my psyche to try to get into recovery, but also go on auditions that include people, you know, and that industry has changed too. I'm just really grateful. I think to answer your question, I've been able to maintain myself because I've changed and the industries I worked in have both changed. Like in fitness, like I got signed at a fitness age, a modeling agency as a fitness model as, as a size six. And my measurements are on the internet and they're not the measurements that you, you used to have to have, quote unquote, to be in that space. So that's big, you know, when you yeah. can walk in a room. And I'm grateful that I was, even when I got scouted for this agency, my first thought was like, no, there's no way. Like I have come way too far. It felt like I would be going backwards, that I would be throwing myself back into this behavior if I allowed myself to be in that space again. And then something in my mind was like, no, 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 you've come a long way and, and you'll know if you're getting out of control and then you'll leave, but don't discredit yourself already. Just go and see. And then I, I just, I, I left my first meeting when I signed like in tears because I was just blown away that they, all the things that I had done before from getting measured to, you know, to how much do you weigh all these numbers, 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 you know, would have just, kicked me into a very negative space and I walked out like those are my numbers. I own those numbers and I don't, I'm not defined by those numbers. Just the things that I was telling myself, you know, were different. So what you were saying about mantras. Yeah. I had a really, it's a mental shift that has to happen with any recovery, any addiction that you have to really, and you have to nurture that daily. And I still do. I still, it's something, it's just part of, it's part of the part of the course. Like you can't, that's how you stay in recovery. It's I'm very spiritually aware. I'm very aware of the way that I talk to myself and others. Um, I, like I said, I do work in fitness. So the way that I teach my classes, the way I train my clients, my entire lifestyle had to shift um, be, to maintain this space of recovery, especially considering that I'm back in those two spaces as an actor and a model. Like I am very aware. But once again, the industries have shifted. So I'm, I'm supported in my, in my shift. And that's helpful. Speaking of that, we had the Oscars last night, and I was thinking to myself, like, so many beautiful women on stage, all sizes, <laughs> ages, you know, Rita Moreno. Yeah. I mean, she just yeah. killed it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, we're living in a really <laughs> great time for representation for women. It's amazing. Like, it, you could feel it. And I could feel it when I was living in New York. And that was kind of, I was so nervous to move out here. I've been trying to move out here for years. I'm originally from California. So I knew L.A. was always on my list. And I just remember the the turning point for me was like, you're, you're like making up this space on your head that you think is going to be so scary. And now that I'm actually on this soil, it is so different. It's so much inclusion and it was a long way to go. Don't get, no, you know, don't get me wrong. We still have a long way to go, but you can feel it. You can feel the vibration. So whatever you're seeing on TV and through these award shows, it's happening on the ground level too. It's really incredible. People are very supportive, especially when it comes to women. Like we're just, we're uniting in a way that I have never seen in my lifetime. Um, in, in the industry and outside the industry. It's been very um, empowering. I'm really grateful to be, it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay, I have something, there's a topic that we have okay. covered with a few guests and mm -hmm. I'd love your take on it. And it's another okay. kind of heavy one. So I'm sorry, I feel like I keep on just like no. <laughs> lobbying these giant weighty things at you. But um, so it, it's finding the balance between 
being proud of who you are and what you look like and loving yourself exactly the way you are. Mm -hmm. And also being interested in beauty products and clothing and, Mm -hmm. you know, having, you know, taking pride in in the way you look and in the way you can make yourself look. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I am one of those people. Like, I love makeup. I love playing with my hair. And I firmly believe there's room for all of that. But Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that dichotomy, given your background and your current work. Is that something that you consciously try to balance? Is it something that's just there? Is it tricky for you? Hmm. I think, and I look back, I feel like I was talking to someone recently about, oh, my makeup. Someone had a comment like, oh, your makeup looks so natural. That's really, and I also was like, well, first of all, I'm 35. So I've been wearing makeup a long time. You know, I started wearing makeup in junior high. Like I had a very, my mom was very, laid back. Like, I think a lot of my peer were like, oh my God, you have, you're allowed to wear mascara. And I'm like, to my mom, it's like, she can wipe it off. It's nothing that doesn't define her. So I found it very odd growing up. People find it odd that I had this disorder because my mother was very like empowering. Like, oh my God. I mean, like daily, you're so pretty. You're so this, like I just constantly, so self-esteem wasn't an issue and people equate self-esteem with this disorder and they're not, they're not, that's another myth. It's actually nothing to do with self-esteem, you know, sometimes it's a perfectionism. But for me in the beauty products, I think I've gotten to a point just because of age and just maybe lifestyle and maybe my situation I've been talking about with the eating disorder. I just really, I like a very easy, natural, but glamorous look, especially working in fitness right now. Like when I started, this is well before fitness fashion was a thing, you know, so I would spend so much time before leggings were cute to try to look cute at work because fitness fashion was so, you know, like a, yeah. like a basketball coach. Like I like I always looked like I was going to coach a team and I was really just going, <laughs> you know, so it's very hard to be glamorous. So I'm the opposite. I actually did a thing with shape with women's health in June and the June issue on their street style. And they had picked me out to talk about my fa- style, you know, my fashion because I take a lot of pride in my workout clothes, you know, because it's like, A, I wear it every day for what I do, but the stuff is cute. So I wear lipstick when I work out. I wear mascara. I wear makeup. Like, I get dressed. It's like, it's a thing. But for me, I, I try not to let that define me. Like, I recently thought about maybe going on, it's kind of trending right now, this whole, like, makeup-free. <laughs> right. Um, but in yes. the day, that's not who I am. Like, since junior high, I've always had, if not, if, I don't always have a full face on. But I do, and my parents are also Southern, so that's a whole nother layer. Like, we really, I really, really raised to be put together. That's just the way you don't step out without your earrings, you know? So, mm-hmm. go, go, okay, going out makeup, for even the whole legging thing was hard for my family to accept. Like, it seems like you're not dressed, you know, um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're grown up from the South. So, with that said, I, I, I just think by the nature of how I was raised and the way I've been living my life, over half my life, I always will have a concern about how I look, but I try not, like you said, to let it be, to define me, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm not going to lie. There's been days when I'm not feeling well and I'll put on lipstick just to, as a pick me up and it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing, yeah, it does. There's nothing harmful with it, you know? So it's like, I think there's, it gets a bad rap sometimes of like, you'll hear guys be like, I think you're better without your makeup on. Well, I don't. So, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that defeats the purpose. Yeah. I appreciate it. I know you're trying to give me a compliment, but yeah. no. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So totally superficial <laughs> question here, but do you have favorite lipstick? Because, and especially one that like stays on while maybe mm-hmm. you're working out, because this is very important to me. I can't deal with reapplying all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I also have very, very, very sensitive skin. Um, like, I've had it since I was a little girl, eczema, psoriasis. And as I get older, I'm realizing a lot of environmental things. So I actually had a cosmetic skin allergy test about a year and a half ago. So I know exactly what I'm allergic to. That's in makeup. And unfortunately, it's in a lot of things. So I have a very, I do a lot of lip stains and mm-hmm. really old school lip stain, which is just lip liner <laughs> and, you know, like a little moisture just for my sensitivities. So I love uh, it's called it's it's a like a plumish color from a uh, Mac. I also have Mac Pro. This is just me just being very transparent because you know as a model and actor you this is like back in the day I've had Mac Pro maybe for like 10 years where you get a discount for being in the industry. So just uh-huh. from that di- yeah, from that discount alone, I actually just wear a lot of Mac because it's just I've been able to get it at a cheaper rate, but um, yeah. I love Al- Alame grocery store 
like if you're gonna get a grocery store brand, that's good. I love Alame's tinted lip balms, all the colors, every single one are so good. I also love um, Fresh, their um, sugar lip balms. Oh, yeah. I've been hearing a lot about those. Yep. Yeah, they have one called, it starts with the, um, what, is, what is it? It's um, Fig. Fig is my favorite. I've been, and it has a little bit of glitter in it. So it feels a little like very like glammed up, but I'll just use that honestly with whatever nude color um, lip liner and fill it in. That's, that's basically what old school lip stain was. My mom and her friends, I remember them literally, their lipstick not coming off because they would fill their lips in with lip liner first and then put the lipstick on. And that's how they would keep their lipsticks from, you know, having to reapply. So I just kind of, from what I saw growing up, I just do that. And I've, I've always been able to like rock a whole lipstick through a whole workout for that reason. <laughs> like it nice. just stays on. And then the moisture of the sugar, the sugar tent tinted lip balms you don't because sometimes the lip liner can be drying um but I find that when I use that with the sugar it's like just the right amount of color because I think there is a limit you know for someone who wears makeup to the gym I think there is a limit because I'll, I'll say girls and you're just like this is a little too much makeup because at the end of the day it's like you're literally like but I think of whatever's touching my skin I don't overdo so the lipstick I don't mind going crazy like a full red lip mascara if it's waterproof it can withstand a workout I just don't do like the foundation and like you know the stuff that's gonna really sweat through because right. then I feel like I do have image issues with that so if, if I have any blemishes I'll make you a little concealer on those spots um but I really into tinted um moisturizers because that is a very light way to get the coverage you need and not worry about your sweat, like breaking out your, you know, having breakouts because of it, having too much foundation on. Right. So yeah, I've done a couple articles actually on sweat proof makeup. Cause it's something that I've been doing. A lot of brands are now marketing themselves with having this sweat proof makeup. Like you got Clinique and, you know, sweat, like all these brands are like, these are made for women like us, but honestly it just boils down to the product and what's inside of it and how much of it you have on and what kind of workout you're doing. If I'm doing yoga, okay, I might wear my foundation because I'm not going to be sweating the way I'm going to sweat if I'm doing interval running classes, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So we might I, have to have you send the, um, send those links over if you've got them and then we can oh, for sure. the show notes. Yeah. There's a lot of brands who are doing really well. I'm a big fan of Bobby Brown and they're everything that they call long wear is truly long wear. Every single thing. They've done a lot of research. They actually, when they first launched the long wear, they, they, um, tested on professional athletes like Serena Williams and stuff. And so it's, it's, it's good. They, they had, they wanted to, I'm sure they could have marketed it as workout proof makeup. It's just long wear. So even if you don't buy into the marketing of a workout proof makeup, it's if someone's marketing it as long wear and it's truly long wear, it's sweat proof. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what about fashion? Yeah. Who are your favorite <laughs> brands and designers that you like to wear? Oh my goodness, fashion. This is my favorite, favorite. Because like I said, I it was like yesterday that I was wearing track suits all the time. So now it's so fun. Um, I'm really into Onzi, um, only because initially they had that one size fits all. And I was kind of like, this is weird. There's no way it does fit everybody. But because of the disorder portion of my life, I was very, I saw an empowerment in that, that I didn't have to worry about sizing. It's like, it's just, if it fits, it fits. It's two sizes it is what it is. Um, but I've just grown to love the brand. They have obviously branched out to more sizes, but um, I just love their leggings and I just love how simple everything fits. And like a lot of brands like Lululemon, you know, the one to unders are the same. They're just changing the colors and the, you know, maybe a little bit in the fabrics. And I think from a shopping's perspective and also the order you get, it's nice just to know it works, you know? It's just nice to go and make, I can go get that same legging that I know fits and I know it works in a, whatever trending print is happening, you know? So, yep. yeah. So I love those brands that are very, um, and I've, I've worked a little bit in fitness fashion a couple of years ago. I taught myself how to sew and, um, really, oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was, it was something that I was just doing. My mom, my mom passed five years ago and I was just having such a hard time with the grief and I was really afraid it was going to relapse in the disorder because of how hard the grief was that I was like, I need to get an, I need an outlet. I need to teach myself something new to distract me. And I don't know, I've never had that, you know, desire. And I just somehow was like, I'm going to try to learn how to sew because I'm so tired of buying things that look so basic. You know, our fashion is pretty basic nowadays. Like 
not even fitness fashion, just in general, like the way we wear like more drapey stuff. And, yeah. you know, and my mom used to sew and I was like, she would always talk about how this is like marked up. This is easy to make. And I was just like, maybe I can learn. And it turned out I had like this hidden talent. <laughs> so I was making my own clothes. And of course, me being in fitness fashion, working in fitness, I mean, I started making like just like pullovers or like easy things to throw on after working out. And I was getting stopped a lot. So all that said, I started, I learned a lot about the distribution portion of fitness fashion and fashion in general. And I can say now I know a lot about brands and that's what my favorite brands are. That's why I love Onzi and Lulu. I know that they are catering to the audience in a very authentic way, but they're also being very authentic to their quote unquote brand by having those signature pieces. Like it, it's, it's really something um, about that. Like I said, people like ease. So to know that they have their signature pieces, Fabletics does the same thing too that solar legging like you just when you have signature pieces it creates like this your your followers or your customer it, it's a security that comes with that because you know that you can just count on that legging even if they bring something really unique to their design one season you know they always are going to have that solar legging that they're going to change the print and stuff and so I think that's nice like I love brands like that I love Fabletics because it's very good quality when they first came out when I was writing for a magazine at the time and I covered their launch, I was blown away with how good the quality was. Cause they actually came out when a lot of fitness fashion almost had a boom. Like we've kind of slowed down now enough that people realize that you just can't jump in this industry and be faulty. Cause it's not like jeans and stuff. Like we're working out in this stuff. So if it doesn't hold up, people are going to talk about it. You know, like if your leggings are see-through, if they fall down when you do burpees, like it's just, we have less leeway for bad quality. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so there was around when Fabletics came out, it was just a, it was an overflow of fitness fashion. I was like, okay, it's getting out of hand. People don't know, and people are just up, marking up the price because people know that it's acceptable now to spend hundred dollars on leggings. So brands were launching leggings for hundred dollars that were really worth thirty-four dollars, you know. And I was the opposite for Fabletics. They're launching a brand, a legging that could literally go for hundred dollars at thirty-four dollars. So I was really into them from the beginning, and they've just gone from better to better to better to better over these years because it's like this is really good quality and they're it's marked down it's worth more than they you know it's really good quality and especially great for the person that's just getting into fitness fashion people like you and I we almost were waiting for this moment so we're in it yeah. you don't have to you don't have to convince us like right it, right it is whereas people who don't know just like when D- denim had that moment when people are like two hundred dollars for jeans no way and the next thing you know designer jeans were a thing so that's what happened with fitness fashion. People were just like, I'm not spending that much money on workout clothes. And now it's very rarely do I hear people say that because the worth of it is people realize you can wear it A all day. It's cute. It's fun. It's functional. And I think um, Fabletics catered to the new person to fitness fashion. You could have this membership and build this really beautiful wardrobe of fitness fashion. That's not going to break the bank. And it's good quality. It's genius. I Fabletics, I would say honestly, from just the overall standpoint is my favorite from the quality to their marketing to everything. Just like they're, I I really enjoy what they're doing. And then even their partnerships with Demi. And I I really am a big fan of Demi because of her eating disorder journey. I just think that they're sending a very clear message and it's clear to me. Like I think young girls can be very empowered. It's more than fashion or fabletics. And I think that's important. So they're my favorite, I'd say. Yeah. (laughs) Um, do you see any big differences since, you know, you mentioned that you're fairly, your, your move from New York to LA is fairly recent. Do you notice a big difference in the, in the fitness fashion realm, um, Mm -hmm. between the two areas? I'm guessing the answer is probably yes. (laughs) Uh Yeah. It's really funny because, you know, there's a lot of people here, we call them like, you know, New York transplants, a lot of people here that have come from New York to LA, um, and I'm meeting a lot of them. And I could say that, especially in the industry, I was at a press event when I first got here. And, you know, the press events for fitness in New York, the, the whole scene is very different for fitness in New York. And I knew that L.A. had fitness going on. It's very clear. People are very healthy. It's a lifestyle here. It has been before it was a trend. Um, so I just expected it to be very similar. And it's it's different because the way that we style our fitness fashion from New York versus L.A., you're in a car here. You can, you have a chance to maybe pop in somewhere and change. Like we have to deal with maybe not the most clean bathrooms, like whatever you get dressed to go in New York, you're going for the day. And I think that informs the way that we dress. 
um, anything that has double function, anywhere, anywhere down from our backpacks. Like you're, you know, I think all these really cute backpacks, we were the target market New Yorkers. Cause you know, I'm not going to wear no disc. I'm not gonna wear Jansport when I'm going to be gone all day. You know, we're, right. we're, it has to be fashion and function for us in New York. Mm-hmm. Whereas here it can just be fashion. Cause you can just throw your bag in the car. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be durable enough to walk around all day. So I noticed that people don't have a lot of, um, it's a lot of color. That's one thing. That's a big, most obvious difference. I have so much black and I feel odd, like, you know, because yeah, yeah here people, even if you have on black leggings, you have color somewhere in your shoe, in your sports bra, whereas I would just wear black from head to toe and I have, and it's cute stuff though. So it's like people will see you and you're like, they're like, oh, okay. But they, they know right away you're from New York. That's a dead giveaway. So when I've been at events and I see other writers or other editors and I look at their fashion, I'm like, oh yeah, that girl's from New York. And sure enough, I'm always <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not only are we in all black, it's just the way we wear our black. Like it's just something very sleek and I can't describe it. You have to do, but you just know it when you see it, especially when you were living it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of color here, a lot of light colors. Like I, I don't really, I didn't see a lot of white leggings in New York. It just wouldn't make sense to be getting on the train and running around no. like they would be no, no. filthy. But I see a lot of girls pulling off very light color leggings, whites, light pink, a lot of matchy matchy here, which it's it looks cute. Like I think I'm not there yet. I think maybe after a year or two, I'll get into the culture here. But it, it, I, I see a lot of the matching sports bras and bottom, you know. And I didn't see that a lot in New York. It wasn't very matchy. I think it's people, people really piece their stuff together uniquely. And in their own way, it's a lot of personality behind the style in New York. I'll see girls on the street or in classes. I'll be like, oh, I would never think to wear that like that. And the next thing you know, I'm going home and trying to pair mine. So it's a lot of, it's like a runway. Like we just, but that's New York in general, fitness, fashion or not. People are very creative with their style. Um, And we're also on the street. So we see each other a lot. And here you don't see people unless you're in the gym are in a workout space. Whereas I would see really cute fitness fashion ideas on the train because we're just close to each other. So that's something that overall I've been adjusting to is that your interactions with people are very different because we spend a lot of time in our cars here. Let's talk about fitness trends. You seem to try out okay. everything that comes along. Are there any new workouts that you're excited about or you're dying to try out? Um, let's see. It's tricky because I, I still I work for Equinox. And um, we have a lot of signature programs and not even if I didn't work for them, I would say the same thing I'm going to say, like we're the leader of fitness. So we always have the next big thing. We actually just had a training for the next big thing. And it was like, it was fun because it's like, it's top secret because it's a launch until a couple months and we can't talk about it. But so I've been grateful that I've, I work in an environment where the next big thing is happening. So, but from an editorial space, I'm really into what people are doing, knowing that I work for the next big thing. I'm very inspired when I see pop-ups like boutique fitness and just people starting their own brands. It's very cool to follow that because I know what it's taken for them to do that considering their competition like Equinox, you know what I mean? So um, boutique fitness is really cool to me. I think it's very cool to see the community it's driving. And here in LA, it is a ton. I mean, like I could probably start a whole new blog if I were to just go out there and try all these fitness classes and fitness pop-ups and studios. It is, that's something that they definitely have over us in New York is a lot of, but there's not a lot of franchises. So with that said, it's very divided. So you have to kind of find these little studios. You know, mm-hmm. they could be anywhere. And and there's a lot of hybrid workouts, which I'm a big fan of because people assume that I spin and I'm not a huge fan of spin, honestly. But if you give me a spin class that's like spin and then we get off and do a little yoga and then we lift weights, I would be open to that. I like an idea of something that's constantly changing, going back to my fitness parties. That's the whole premise of them. I'm like all about the fun. So whatever brings the fun whether it's from the music to the constant vary, varying of the workout in the in that one hour or 45 minutes, anything with these, like a lot of the big thing is technology now, like at Orange Theory, they have those boards, anything that's just going to like do something I haven't done before, I'm down with it. But I've also been teaching for almost 12 years. So I am also open to those very simple, let's just step and do like some cardio on the step workout, you know? So it just depends what kind of mood I'm in. Um, but I love these hybrid workouts. I love the boutique fitness, uh, especially because of the culture. 
you can go to those boutique fitness classes and it's like you're walking into many, many sororities and fraternities. Like the community in those spaces is very cool to me. Like, you know, so it's been fun. It's been fun to see here in LA how people do work, work out. It's a little different, like I said, then um, in New York. I think boutique fitness people were trying to figure out, like ClassPass does very well here, I notice. Yeah. Um, because A, in, in New York, you, were, you I don't know if it's the case anymore, but ClassPass, you would be getting the leftover essentially. So if they had any spots open, then it would kick over to ClassPass. Whereas here, there's because there's so many boutique studios, there's always classes open. So I know actually some editors and some friends that use ClassPass because they can take all those classes for the for the regular rate and get a good spot and not have to worry about waiting on the wait list or anything like that, you know? Um, so, but a lot of those big places from New York are coming to LA. Like I just saw Rumble's opening down next to Equinox in West Hollywood. So a lot of the ones that are really doing big in New York, it's nice to see them coming here. Cause I do miss some of those places like Rumble and, you know, um, of course we have soul cycles and things like that, but you know what I mean? Like the big, big ones are everywhere, which is nice to see. Yeah. So this has been, awesome and fascinating mm-hmm. and I have I have one more question for you and it's something that we ask all of our guests on the podcast okay. um, and that is what is the last song you listened to before you joined us today last song huh it might be that what was it from shape the from the shape of water or not shape from the one that got the award I can't think of it now this is me oh is it Coco <laughs> No, 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 no. It's, is it? No, no, no. It's, 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 this is me. I think it's from The Greatest Song. Um, oh, the oh, greatest, The Greatest Showman, showman? on Earth? Yes, yeah, sorry. That's what it is. I, I haven't seen the movie ah, yet. Okay. But they've been pubbing, yeah, they've been pubbing the song so much. It comes up on my Spotify as an ad over and over. Um, and then when I saw them perform it last night, I was just, being a performer, I just love watching people like, lose themselves in the moment and the Oscars are obviously a big deal and it was pretty incredible to watch these artists you can watch them watch themselves be like we're here we're doing this they're performing really well and very hard and just like their hearts were just pouring out on the stage so I've just been into it ever since then so I listened to that this morning <laughs> that's an awesome answer thank you so much yeah. for being on the show today it was really so much You're fun welcome. talking to you thank you guys I really appreciate it Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.